Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. I'm Hugh Atchison. I'm a chef, a restaurateur, a traveler, and now I'm the host of The Passenger. People ask me all the time, you know, what's that list of places to go in this city, in that city? And this show is dedicated to that idea. Immersing yourself in that culture and finding out what's intriguing and what resounds and what we think about the future of that place as a visitor, as a passenger. Subscribe now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Crush Friday interview edition. Friday, special day after Thanksgiving edition. Because today, you guys, I had a conversation with actor Scott Poitras about the wonderful, wonderful all-time classic Thanksgiving movie from 1987, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. One of my favorite movies. Scott is a great guy. He's a local actor here in Atlanta. And uh, you've probably seen him on TV before. Uh, Most notably recently, he was in a a pretty great horror movie called I Trapped the Devil. Uh, it's a low-budge horror movie that got some really good marks. And uh, and Scott was the lead in that one. And he's a good dude. He's a friend of uh, fellow guest Dan Bush. And uh, we have some other common friends here in Atlanta. Uh, but Scott is a great guy. We had a great conversation about acting and planes, trains, and automobiles. And here we go with Scott Poitras. This is a movie I've seen. Many, many times. Right. But you He's, always got to rewatch them for these, for these talks. Totally. You know, even if you think like, and I know a lot of this movie by heart. But <laughs> it had been a few years, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Every Thanksgiving, put it on a loop. Oh, oh yeah. While I'm cooking. I, I'm a big uh, turkey fryer. Uh-huh. And now we have this uh, oilless fryer. Here, pull that is, over uh, close to your mouth. Oh, are we, go- are we going? Are we on? Let's yeah, do it. Let's well, do this. We thing. always just find an entry point, so. I love brining. I'll brine for about 24 or 48 hours. Okay. Do you do a wet brine or a dry? I do a wet. Because I'm, I'm doing the turkey this year, and this is my first turkey. So I'm a little nervous. Your first turkey? You grew up in the South. This is your first turkey? My first turkey that I've prepared. peanut oil. Right? Peanut Remember oil. the peanut oil days? Sure. The deep frying into 400 degrees. Oh, well, yeah. That's amazing. Fire hazards. Yeah. I've never done it myself. I mean, obviously, we have turkey every year, but... We're hosting for the first time. Nice. And, you know, turkey usually goes to the host. Right. So it falls upon the host. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me your dry brine or your wet brine. I like to do a mix. Sometimes I'll throw in – I'll also do an injection too okay. with a wet brine. All right. Um, apple cider, vinegar, all the spices, all the fixings. Okay. Um, for 24 to 36 hours. Okay. Over ice. Keep it on the porch. Okay. And then this oilless fryer made by Charbroil. Right. So it works like an infrared gotcha. oven in this thing. So you don't have to deal with oil at all or clean up is no fuss, no muss. It's uh-huh. great. 
And it crisps up just like a – Like a fried turkey. Totally. Interesting. Works very well. Hmm. Well, I think Highly I'm going to have to go the standard oven route. Uh, but I've got a nice Bake. oven. Mm-hmm. Very accurate. <laughs> but this is going to be the first like big thing because we redid our house recently. So the, the oven has not even been – I mean it's been test driven but not uh, turkey driven. Totally. So, so I'm a little nervous. you got to season that bad boy. Yeah. Seasoning is key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sage? Well, just like a, just heating it, period. Oh, you, you mean can the Season oven? the actual device of whatever you're going to cook something Oh, in, sure. Right? Yeah, it, it's been on a lot. But okay. So it's only brand new right out of the gate. No, throw no, because it kind of stunk a little bit at first. But do you recommend even turning it on like some this week and just getting it hot and letting totally. it cool down? Let it cook for like 400 degrees for a while. Okay. Yeah. Let, right. let's, let it smoke. Yeah? Yeah. Where are you from? I grew up in Charleston. Until I was one of my five. favorite places. Oh, I love it. Yeah, uh, Isle of Palms, Mount Pleasant. So Isle of Palms is where I vacation every year. No kidding. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how much has changed. So they do a lot of production out there, which brings actors there sometimes. Right. So growing up there, I mean, up until I was five, I right. have memories. But I've been back to work on a few shows since then. But it's insane how congested, yeah, the people and just the the the, the landscape completely different. Much yeah. like Atlanta since I the Olympics. Know. Change uh-huh. based started to change the sure. skyline here. Yeah. Now yeah. every time you go out of town for a month or two, it come back into your new <laughs> skyrise. It's insane. Oh, it's not even a month. Like I'll go down a street I haven't been on in two weeks, and there's like forty percent of a new building or apartment complex or something. No, it's it, yeah, it's renamed. Yeah, it is crazy. Which is great. <laughs> Shout out to United, United <laughs> Grand Park. <laughs> what? Uh, when did you make it to Atlanta? Nineteen eighty-one. Okay. My dad worked in the. Uh, in a government facility uh, and brought us with him, my brother, mm-hmm. seven years older, and my mom in 1981 to nice. Marietta. So essentially Marietta. Right. I say Atlanta, but nobody knows where it did you act? Is. Did you act in your early years in high school and stuff? Uh, it's funny. I wanted to be an animator for Walt Disney. Oh, up really? until I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And when I... Uh, so you can draw? I can. Okay. I can. I, I'm not uh, – yeah, I don't continue the practice uh, often at all, but I did for a long time. Um, and then I also played football uh-huh. in middle school and into high school. And I learned it was not my bag. And when I quit, I got bullied mm. a good bit. For quitting football? For quitting football, for okay. quitting the team. Right. So I would <laughs> literally – I would – I found myself hiding in the theater. Oh, wow. Until hallways cleared out and uh-huh. I can kind of escape safely. So that's real deal bullying then. Totally. Yeah. And uh, they would put productions on. This was Pope High School, mm-hmm. East Cobb. Uh, I went there a freshman year and then finished up at Lasser because we moved. Um, I would literally, I'd find myself like outside the, uh, the light booth and people would wonder what I'm doing there. Right. And I kind of got looped into running the follow spot <laughs> on really? South Pacific. That's so and funny. And one other show, a Christmas, some kind of a Christmas show. And so I was like, yeah, cool. I'll, it keeps me out of the hallways for a little bit. I'm, I'm down. Well, I'm standing so, here anyway. <laughs> I'll run your follow spot. And I did that for like that whole production of a show. I was like, they're having so much more fun. Yeah. I want to do that. This is lame. It's dark and cold up here. And yeah. they look like they're having a blast. Uh-huh. And, and that's kind of how I – And there's girls. There were girls. <laughs> girls <laughs> like are on men. the football team. <laughs> like my odds are exponentially greater already. Right. Uh, and I – did that for a while and um, realized – also at church. I started got looped into getting on stage mm-hmm. at church at the time. So high school and church at the same time merged into 
getting this bug and then realizing how much fun I was having doing it and really enjoying it yeah. and then pursuing it at the uh, University of Georgia. Oh, okay. And That's then, where I went. Seriously? Yeah. I was, 94 and 98? I was 89 to 95. Wow. So we, we were overlapped there for a year. A yeah. We probably had the taco stand together. <laughs> I was at the taco stand a lot. <laughs> I worked at Vision Video nice. for a little while. Nice. And, uh, but my main gig was I, w- I waited tables at Mexicali Grill. Wow. Which nice. I'm sure you remember. I, I very well. And it's funny. My mom just uh, texted me the other day. Said, uh, I found an old Mexicali Grill T-shirt. Do you want me to throw that out? I went, No, no. <laughs> like frame send it. it to me, please. I was just like, There's one that remains out of like the eighty that I had over my career there. That is awesome. Did you ever go tease? Tease. What it was, was that? It was a scary dive. Tease. Um, I don't think I know tease. I'm misspeaking. Skies. Skies place. Tees yes. is in Marietta. That was a bar that we would freak out yeah, yeah. after I waited tables. Uh, Skies place. Sure, I went to Skies um, ceilings like seven and a half feet. That's right. So Sky, you kinda, but, and Sky was like eight feet tall. Big dude. Right. Big dude. Yeah, and it was it was one of, in one of the cheap hotels, wasn't it? Yeah. Like the and Holiday we would stumble Inn, up the because I lived in Russell uh-huh. freshman year, so right. we'd stumble up the cobblestone. That's what we called it. Yeah, that's back so over funny. to Baxter. Uh huh. Yep. But Skies look- is where you could drink as a. <laughs> 14-year-old. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty, pretty liberal with the right. uh, IDs. I had the worst fake ID ever. It was— I never had one. I never needed it. Yeah, I had Athens, one. In Athens, you just don't—I don't know. I mean, I looked super young uh, back then, and I had—not only was it not me in the picture, um, it was not a driver's license. It was a military ID, and it was a fake military ID. <laughs> so Bold. It was one of those things where— a baller where move. It's, uh, it wasn't a baller move. It was a— you know how you – well, you didn't have one, but, you know, they're passed down from person to person. Oh, sure. And then I was like the third person to get this thing. <laughs> and it worked okay, I guess. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I wasn't really hitting the bars, though, at Georgia until I was probably 21. I wasn't either. Like, yeah. There was some um, house drinking and stuff. Yeah. And but, Russell um, Hall, they, they would fire bottle rockets down the hallway. And Russell, I, I was on the 10th floor. Yeah, I've heard stories They'd throw about furniture Russell. out onto the tennis – the courts, if you remember, or oh, the, yeah. the tennis court, the uh, basketball court. There. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I lived in mess. Reed, which was a little calmer, mm-hmm. and then just for one year. And then I, you know, got smart and went the apartment house route. Uh, Cambridge. Yeah, that's, that's remember so being there? Players Club. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the first year, I think, when they opened, we lived in a Players Club. You ever get back over there? Rarely. Really? Yeah. Maybe one. I mean, it's been probably two or three years. I don't go to the games. I wish yeah. I did. Yeah. I went to, I go to, I go there once or twice a year, maybe for various things. Either uh, a show at the Forty Watt, or uh, I am going to the game this weekend. But I haven't been to a football game in probably five years. So fun! It just I just never get out there anymore. Yeah, but Athens is great. But talking about changing a lot, right? Yeah, nuts, big time. Uh yeah, the the the, the community center. Uh huh. I don't know when the last time yeah. you were there, but Tate Center. Tate Center. Uh-huh. Crazy. Yeah, I know. It's so different now. Yeah. So you acted there? I did. Yeah. Like, did you take class? Because I took one acting <laughs> class in Georgia, even though I'm not an actor and had never wanted to be, but it was just seemed like a fun class. You remember your teacher's name? I don't remember his name. Uh, his first name was Greg, and he was bald on top and had the, the hair around the sides and had a mustache. And he was in Woody Allen's radio days. He had a very, very, very small little two-liner part. But that was like the thing. I was like, oh, man, he was in a Woody Allen movie and right. he's teaching at Georgia. <laughs> so I took one acting class and really enjoyed it but was no good at it. I can't remember his last name. Greg. 
Bernard? No. I remember there was Stanley Longman. We had Chuck Charles Eidsvik, who's a film professor. Okay, I remember Eidsvik. You remember Eidsvik? I didn't take the class, but he was supposed to be pretty great. Yeah. Um, gosh. I, I, I took a class over the journalism department, and I believe, I think he's since passed on, but he started the Peabody's? Mm-hmm. It's like a right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, with the, yeah. Uh, Georgia. Man, I feel terrible. I can't remember his name right now. Well, did you act in plays there? Or was it just? Oh like yeah, cla- quite okay. a bit. Yeah, yeah. I never went to any of those. Mm-hmm. How, what were the productions like? They were great because we had a nice big uh, uh, facility, yeah. the stage. I don't know if you saw the main stage. I did. It was cool. It was cool. So, um, handful of shows there. I remember doing hair towards the end oh, of my. Nice. I, no, it's so funny. Everybody literally gets naked in the show. Literally. <laughs> yeah. I was asked to play the cop who comes in and busts up. <laughs> I was like, all right. Sure. 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 Shop yeah, right. Is it because <laughs> why? Why do you want me to play the cop? And then I've been self-conscious ever since. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get to get naked <laughs> did, in the production did not there. get naked. Not in that production. It was fun, though. Did you feel time. like you uh, – like when did you feel like you really learned about acting? Was it – did you get a lot of great instruction there or was it more kind of post I did and there was technique, uh, whether it's uh, Meisner or, or, or movement, we did mm-hmm. mask work. I mean whatever it is. Honestly, I'm still learning uh, quite a bit. And I have learned more exponentially since we started an acting studio in the past seven years than I think I ever have cumulatively yeah. in my in my journey as an actor. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. You're yeah. talking about Drama Inc. Drama Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you had started with uh, some of my neighbors. Some of your neighbors? I live right down the street from yes, Jason and Catherine. Oakhurst, Eastlake, represent. Uh-huh. Uh, Jason McDonald, Catherine Dyer. They're a married couple. Mm-hmm. My wife and myself, uh, Claire Bronson. Mm-hmm. The four of us were with the same agent. This was seven, eight years ago. We had the same agent at the time and realized that we lived very close together. Mm-hmm. So we would get together, you know, once a week, every two weeks, and sit on what we called the, the, the screamed-in porch. Right. And just bullshit. Have a glass of wine. Yeah. Vent about auditions we were getting, weren't getting, what your agent's sending us on, right. what they're not. You yeah. know, just a, um, information is, is currency mm-hmm. in, in our business, honestly. Um, <clears throat> and we learned what we had to offer because actually it was actually – pretty valuable, the, the knowledge that we had uh, accumulated right. over the 100-plus years uh-huh. of all of us together and how long we've done it, multiple coasts, right? and how much I wished I had this getting out of college. Right. They'd be kicked out of the nest with a theater degree. Uh-huh. What the fuck am I supposed to do with that? What, where do I – what do I – Yeah, and like then in the, the nuts and feature of, production capital of the yeah. world now, sure. um, realizing – uh, we could have something valuable to to offer, mm-hmm. whether it's self-taping, headshots, demo reels, mm-hmm. classes, just the people within, that we know, the uh, information that we've gathered just through contacts, casting directors, what they like, what they don't like. Right. And um, we realized, you know what? Let's, let's start a studio. Jason had had the idea. He'd marinated on it for mm-hmm. a long time, literally with a logo, with a name. Uh, his business sense is incredible. Uh, his... Um, coming at it from uh, a financial standpoint because right. he ran Stone Soup for a very long time. Yeah, the Stone he, Soup He has kitchen. things that he's wired differently than I am. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a tech geek. So okay. I can I can set up our Wi-Fi extenders and whatever, right. you know, sure. stuff like that. Cameras. Um, 
And we all have different things that we bring to the table, which mm-hmm. is really cool. So we realized, holy crap, we actually have something really cool. And we have, we're so blessed to have grown into accidentally a conservatory because uh-huh. we didn't set out to do that. And we're very picky about who we bring on. So right. teachers who specialize in specific techniques, practical aesthetics, Meisner, uh-huh. movement, improv, voice, dialects, whatever it is, um, have just helped us grow into something really, really cool. That's so cool, And the man. biggest sense is the sense of community. Mm-hmm. So our actors are coming in, getting to know each other. Right. They're writing for each other. They're off in the weekends making their own movies. Yeah, and that's it's, how it goes. It's so freaking satisfying. Yeah, it's that's wonderful. really neat. The idea that you get creative people in a room together and, like, something's going to happen, you know? Yep. Like, it will bear fruit. Totally. That's really great. Yeah. And it seems like it's going really well, huh? It really is. Yeah. It's really, really cool. We're in, it. We're in our seventh year. We're uh, just south of Zoo Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So we have the Beltline literally, once it's completed, running through the back, just outside the back parking lot. Oh, that's fantastic. I know. Yeah, that's cool. A little bit of serendipity there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for people listening, the Beltline is, uh, it sounds silly, but it is a a walking path that has changed the city. Right. <laughs> by uh, connecting all the neighborhoods of the city that were never connected before. Yeah, a mini by, 285. Yeah, by foot. Uh, mm-hmm. Pedestrian walkway. And I think it's the same developers who made the – is it called the High Line? Yeah, the High Line. And, and, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just repurposing the train track, which is I sitting know. there decrepit. It's crazy. It's, yeah. I it's wish awesome. You know, I wish I grew up here like you did and it would have been great to have something like that back then. Totally. But, uh, it really would have. They've come a long way though. It's really yeah. cool. I know. Well, what about um, – I would like to talk a little bit about auditioning because we have people that listen that act, um, people that are experienced all the way down to people that have – are just like – putting their toe in the pool. Sure. Um, and I'm sure you guys teach auditioning. We um, do. What, what's, what are some tips? Like, You know, it's interesting because we live in this market, which is um, there's so much work here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all – well, not all. I would say 85 to 90 percent self-tape. So the net that casting directors, local casting directors mm-hmm. throw – that seems to be the way now. It is the way. Yeah. And it just it, – it makes sense financially. Sure. Uh, for people's time. Uh, the number of actors that they can see f- with self-tape – I'm talking about casting directors themselves. Right. Uh, is hundreds or, or thousands versus you have X amount of hours in a day. How yeah. many people can you see? Depending and, on and the now, size of the role. Yeah. If you're going to be in there for 10, 15 now. minutes. Sure. Right. Um, this way, they can start watching a tape. They'll know in their first eight to ten seconds if this is their guy or their girl. Right. Skip it. Move on. Nope, 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 nope. That's so um, intimidating. <laughs> it is. It is. But at the same time, it's empowering because if you get good at it, uh-huh. it's an art form in and of itself, self-taping. Yeah. Your video and audio have got to be good. You need a good reader. Read uh-huh. with an actor. You know, all these all these things that we've learned since we started doing it in 2008. We lived in L.A. at the time. And we were literally self-taping on, like, the, the camera on your laptop. Yeah. Just set it up in the dining room. And uh-huh. I, I'd tape for <laughs> Army Wives or whatever was happening at the time, which right. wasn't that much. Yeah. couple of things. Drop Dead Diva started to kind of happen around that time. Uh-huh. And we've been doing it since then. So we've kind of – we've perfected it and gotten very good at self-taping. Yeah. And actually, I enjoy it quite a bit. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What, teaching it or, or just auditioning uh, both. that way? Both. Uh-huh. I miss being in the room and yeah. getting feedback and redirect from directors, casting directors, whoever. Right. Because that's an art form in and of itself, too, just being in the room and 
Yeah. Not shooting yourself in the foot, not tripping over the light, you know. Just, yeah, it's just nerve-wracking. Cool, right? I used to shoot there's so much desperation that goes with, I, I need this job. I need it. I need it. I need right. it. And, and it, it comes through. They can smell it down the hallway before you walk in. Yeah. I, I have heard that, you know, the best thing to do is to not care or not think you're going to get it. Totally. Auditioning is the job. Right. This is our job. Yeah. The bookings are icing. When they happen, it's wonderful. Uh-huh. But can't cannot rely on it. Yeah. It's – um. It's an interesting bag to get into where you – there's such a limited uh, success rate just booking anything. But you still have to like – you've got to love it, I guess, deep down. You do. You really do. Uh, uh, you, yeah. I, I don't have a plan B. Right. So I kind of – I hope I book it. Right? Yeah. But I also have the luxury of being around it every day. Uh-huh. I was starting the studio and being with people that I love, very good friends, uh, a woman I'm in love with. Uh, I cannot call that work. Yeah. I'm very fortunate to be able to do this. And you guys have classes every six days a week, every five day. days a week? Every day, seven days a week. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. Uh, we, we don't always have classes on Sundays, but we have kids' classes on Saturdays. We have we pop-up classes, uh-huh. uh, workshops. We have a, uh, a, a taping room. It's a very much like this. It's a soundproofed uh, room. Thankfully, one of our neighbors, when they moved out, it was a recording studio. Mm-hmm. So when they moved out, we're like, Whoop. we took over that lease and we expanded, knocked a door in between the suites and took it over. Great. So we have a soundproof room that we can work because our building is literally it's a tin roof. If it even drizzles, yeah, it's, <laughs> there, it. it's deafening. <laughs> it ruins any audio. Yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. So. This is uh, a room like this is is critical for self taping. Yeah. So we have that going twenty four seven. I mean, not literally twenty four hours a day, uh-huh. but um, we have a full taping team that are in the. They they we kind of take shifts and get in there and tape people. And That's awesome, man. Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So it. it's called Drama Inc. Mm-hmm. And um, I imagine people in the Atlanta area can find it easy enough. But uh, do you get people that come in from? Uh, you know, I imagine people don't travel too far, but do you get people from out of town? We do. That's yeah. awesome. For classes, too, we have people coming in from Knoxville, Cleveland, Orlando. Oh, wow. That's great. Weekly. Man. It's nuts. That's dedication. It's, it really, it's, it's tumbling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really cool. It's really very cool. Well, congratulations. That's Thank great. Thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, people who are in town working on stuff, they mm-hmm. hear about our facility. So. Let's say uh, series regulars on whatever show is shooting Walking Dead. Right. right? They're on the hiatus or they're not shooting that day and mm-hmm. they have auditions for their next gig because we're constantly auditioning for our next job. Right. We always have – that's literally our job. Yeah. <laughs> Wondering where our next job is uh-huh. going to come. So they'll come in and tape with us all the time. Oh, cool. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, I, before we get going on Planes, Trains, I want to talk a little bit about I Trapped the Devil. Sure. Um, which came out earlier this <clears> year <throat> and I got to watch um, – I got to watch about a third of it today before I came in, right before the clock was ticking. Get you in the so Christmas I, spirit. I had to get on uh, planes, trains. <laughs> right. But man, I liked what I saw so far, and I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. Thank like you. At night in the dark, it needs to be. Yeah, lights low. Uh huh. Because there's a lot of really, really dark imagery. Yeah. L- literally, like it, it, most of the time when we're in the basement, we have like a red bulb. Uh huh. So it's it's literally hard to see. So you need your lights low in whatever environment you're right. watching. And sound up. Yeah. Because Chris Sullivan voices a character in the film. Yeah. And uh, you, <laughs> you listeners may know him from This Is Us. And uh, I fell in love with him on um, uh, The Nick. 
Oh, yeah, sure. Steven Soderbergh's show. Uh-huh. And he plays this Irish ambulance driver. Oh, He's that's right. He's incredible. Yeah. Incredible in the show. I, I don't watch This Is Us, but uh-huh. that's what how the world knows him. Right. And I still can't believe we got him to do the role in the movie. So yeah. I'm very excited. It was and cool, man. It was creepy. And he kills it. Kills it. Yeah, and I know uh, I, I read a little bit about it as well, and I know it was sort of um, – not based on necessarily the uh, a Twilight Zone episode mm-hmm. or inspired by, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very a lot cool of people make the reference, and it, it 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 does live in there for uh-huh. sure. And Josh Lobo, our director, young guys, this is his first film. Uh, I, 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 he he's aware of the reference. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was a cerebral, a conscious decision, right. but it, it it probably lived in there somewhere. But cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a uh, we just got finished with our October sort of horror movie homages. And uh, that's one that we'll throw on the list for next year for to Christmas. get out to the folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. Thank and it seemed like it's getting good reviews everywhere I looked. We've gotten was... some re- – it's polarizing as most horror or genre films are. People are like, sure. fuck this movie and fuck you for making it. Or they really, <laughs> really enjoy it. It's, Maybe it's, I read the good ones. It's just what it is. But, I mean, even just to get covered by the New York Times and Variety and Hollywood Absolutely. Reporter, Have like, a release at all. I mean, yeah. it, to be in theaters – Period sure. is monumental. Yeah. So we're in like 20 cities. We had a day and date release. So That's great. IFC Midnight released us. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. How, how old is the director? I want to say he's 26 now. Uh-huh. Maybe 27. God bless him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's a talented dude. I remember being 24 and 25 oh, and wanting to make days. a movie, but I didn't. Right. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah, just grab buckets of blood and toss them on yeah, your friends and exactly. work for free and work for pizza. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hey, it's Ben, Henry, and Marcus, hosts of The Last Podcast on the Left. Our show's dedicated to uncovering hilariously horrifying stuff. And now we're only on Spotify. Join us. If you want. Obviously, we'd never force anyone to just blindly join us. That'd be crazy. But if you like stories about doomsday cults who do exactly that and more, please join us on Spotify. Visit Spotify.com slash last podcast to listen free. All right, well, let's get into Planes, Trains, uh, one of my favorite movies um, right. from 1987, um, written, produced, and directed by the great John Hughes. Pour some out. And um, So let's hit play, and we'll watch the movie together. <laughs> and Starring, of course, Steve Martin as Neil Page, John Candy as Del Griffith, and then, boy, just a murderer's row of character actors right? in this movie. Like one after the other. Do you have a favorite? Uh, oh, boy. It's really hard because, I mean, you know, Michael McKeon's in 90 seconds of this movie, but he's great in that scene as mm-hmm. the as the highway patrolman. I think if I had to be honest, my true – just because he's I – I can't think of the guy's name. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but the scene where um, <clears throat> Steve Martin is trying to – it was after the car fire, and we'll jump around uh-huh. all over the place, so don't worry about sure. like, going in order. But oh, when okay. uh, he's trying to negotiate the hotel room – the guy who plays the hotel clerk. 
Is he the same the, from the second motel? Not the first guy, the, not The second Gus. motel when Gus. he has like the burned credit cards. Yeah, yeah from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly that's how most people who, he is. who he is. Yeah. But uh, God, he's God, so great name? in that part. Yes, he is. He's just so weird and These soft-spoken. credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> His line readings just themselves are just hysterical. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to say goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> he was just so odd. Oh, yeah, when he displays the Casio on the arm. So classic. I have $2. Um, <laughs> Casio. <laughs> but, I mean, it's hard to dis- hard to pick because so many of them come from the John Hughes-averse. Yes. From other films. Yeah. Like you get Ferris's Ferris's dad is the first guy, right? right? In the the, uh, You'll never make the six. You'll never make the six. That's one of my favorite lines, right? As the door's closing. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a dick move. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Those shitty shit eating grin. Oh, totally. Well, do you have a favorite from the character actors? There 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 are two. Uh, I love Michael McKean, but but Dylan Baker Uh, as Owen. My brother and I have been Priceless. doing that bit for 32 right? years. Seriously. It's like in my DNA. My favorite like, sequence in the movie <laughs> is that part. Last one came out sideways. Yeah. People train, run out of stub Stubville. <laughs> Less than your hog or cattle. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably just be doing like throwing quotes at each other probably. back and forth all the time. <laughs> and then Edie McClurg. Yeah. Uh, who you, as Rooney's. Uh, yeah, as Grace. Yep. Yep. From Ferris Bueller. Yeah, Gobble she's gobble. so great. That scene is, and just, apparently she improv that. Um, she, did, she did the Thanksgiving bit, right? Uh, yeah, um, from what I, it's just like making of stuff on the planes, trains, supplemental, uh-huh. uh, wonderful supplemental stuff on iTunes. If you buy it, well, I bought it, it today, and I haven't dug into that oh, stuff yet. It's good. Yeah, it's it? really good, and and sad, and and heartbreaking, and wonderful. Sure. All of it. Are there a bunch of interviews and stuff? Yeah. Oh man, I got to see yeah. that. I can't match everybody, all the all the usual suspects. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the John Hughesverse is so cool because he's you know he was well known for populating these characters, and early on, <clears> you, <throat> well, one thing I noticed was, and this had to be outside of the John Hughesverse, was that great opening scene in the ad agency, the head boss, he is either his father or his father in law, Kevin Bacon's, and she's having a baby. Yes, so that's where it gets a little disrupted. Because Kevin Bacon obviously has that great cameo. The taxi racer. And there's speculation that that is Jake from She's Having a Baby. Huh. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, it makes sense. I will never know. But I don't think that can be true because his father or father-in-law would not have been running that ad agency. Right. And I know this is getting like seriously John Hughes nerd out time. but That's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really interesting yeah. to think about. It. Yeah, I hadn't even realized that. But that movie Because I think they shot around the yet. same time because Kevin they did. told John, I live in Chicago. Right. You, you want me for anything, I'll do it. Yeah. Right? Uh, extra role or whatever. Uh-huh. And he had this little bit. And he lived in <laughs> Chicago. It's like, come come, race Steve Martin down Park Ave. And he oh, did. that's so great. And he um, – and they, I think they did shoot him around the same time because – there is the part where uh, Neil's wife is watching. She's having a baby on the television in this movie. But that movie hadn't come out yet. That's so funny. So when you see it in 1987, you don't even know. Like Elizabeth McGovern's in the background of the scene, uh, like yelling. That's hilarious. And uh, it didn't Since register. 1987, I've been trying to track down a copy of The Canadian Mounted. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't exist. That's the book the that book John Candy's reading. Yeah, right? The airport. Yeah. <laughs> what? Is that the Canadian mounted soft core? Yeah, look like what that is. That cover is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) The Canadian mounted. Um, We should also mention too that the well, not inexplicably, because there's a very good reason why this movie's rated R. 
because of the classic <laughs> F-bomb scene. Right. But um, it's got to be the, the cleanest, sweetest R-rated movie of all time. Totally. Because that is the only part in this movie that is not pretty family friendly. Yep. A few other cuss words here and there and some sort of, you know, suggested – stuff sexually, but right. nothing uh, – it's just those 18 fucks. <laughs> In a row. <laughs> and I love that John Hughes was like – he didn't he didn't sacrifice that bit to uh, to get his rating. To appease the ratings board. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which could, would have been very easy to do, you know? I think my first – I mean, this was 16 Candles and that was PG, right? If uh, I remember correctly. I think – yeah, it had uh, to have been. I think those because there's a shower scene and there are a, yeah. there are breasts yeah yeah there yeah. are female breasts oh I remember never forget it it was a very big right? deal I mean, in 1985 what time or was that when I was nine yeah sure yeah <laughs> I was <laughs> a little older crap. than that but uh, sure I remember uh, the bo- it was PG. clearly a body double of course you're right but still I yeah mean, just for that to happen at all I mean I think yeah back crazy. then there was a little more leeway because it was pre PG thirteen it was around Porky's. Uh, that was a that was a hard around R. there. That yeah. was a hard R, yeah. right? But the way he uh, kind of tempered what he was doing is kind of in this, a similar vein, uh-huh. similar world. Um, especially with like European Vacation, right? Uh, yeah, some dirty, dirty stuff in European Vacation. Yeah, I think once PG thirteen rolled around, they could. Um, there was a little Push more the envelope nuance, you know, because. Subtext. Yeah, sure. you couldn't like you know one nude shot didn't warrant an R rating, but it certainly it would warrant a PG thirteen once that but eighteen fucks rolled around eighteen fucks. <laughs> get you such a classic scene. <laughs> um, and there are supposedly uh, a, a two hour and a three hour cut of this movie. Um, it was a hundred and forty five page script, which as you know is just crazy. And, and how quickly do you think he wrote it? <laughs> well, a I know. Week. Because he Two wrote it in a few days. He would turn and burn. I mean, yeah, that was his deal. Like yeah. he would write, mo- and apparently would rewrite a ton, but would write a draft in like three yeah. or four days. I I read he uh, wrote Weird Science in a weekend. It's nuts. That is just that's amazing, astounding. I mean, seriously, his body would like Breakfast Club, European European Vacation, mm-hmm. Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller, as Some a screenwriter, sure, right? Yeah. Writing, uh, planes, trains. She's having a baby. The great outdoors. Uncle Buck. Christmas vacation. Home yeah. alone. Career opportunities. Dutch and Curly Sue. I'm stopping before we get to yeah. Beethoven, right? And, and he'd like <laughs> that, because he took on a pseudonym, uh, Edmund Dante. Oh, uh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. oh, and he wrote a few of the Beethoven, uh, maybe all the Beethoven movies under uh, Edmund Dante, and that's the protagonist from the Count of Monte Cristo. Wow. So it's that's um, it's his Alan Smithy. Yeah. So. Um, the, the Beethoven movies, maybe Dennis the Menace movies. I'm trying to think of what else he did oh. under that. Um, uh, made in Manhattan uh-huh. uh, towards the end of his career, right. sadly. Drillbit Taylor. That was under. Oh, really? Yeah, Edmund Dante. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he would be doing now. He's one of those that would be really interesting to see. I think he'd still be on his farm. He bought a huge plot of land outside Chicago. Uh-huh. So he left L.A. I think right. he got really disenfranchised and, and sad and just kind of beat down. I think he was very um, – very emotional. He's very connected to all the things that he wrote and directed yeah. naturally. But yeah, he literally bought a farm. Wow. And he got into botany. He was planting uh, trees. and. So you think he would have not done this anymore? Had I don't know. I, I feel like he's – God knows what kind of scripts he had just yeah. in drawers. Cause he, oh, I'm sure. He wrote. That's what he, he just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote yeah. and wrote. And he was so in love with music and started his own record label. Yeah. Hefty. Hefty Productions at one point. Is that point. what it was? And it, it didn't take off. But I think he was wanting to 
literally got kind of gather your arms around music. Yeah. Because, I mean, music is so in the DNA of every one of his films. Yeah, absolutely. It's so special. Yeah. You know? Even this one that's not um, a, a teen romance with all the great new wave and uh, 80s music that he used. Like, the music in this is key in so many ways. Right. Even though a lot of it's silly and fun. Um it's just yeah starting out that kind of sets the tone but yeah. you're right it goes the complete 180 with uh, uh I'm trying to think of the name of the the bands but there's there's two and they revisit over the course of the film uh-huh to like uh to the instrumental tracks oh yeah the, this like the score sort yeah of unofficial yeah score. yeah yeah because it wasn't Ira Norborn it was uh because he did the score and these were actual bands who uh-huh. had these licensed uh, tracks these music um, God, I can't think of them. It wasn't Tangerine Dream, was it? No. Because they did like every other score right. in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a guess. <laughs> I love that one bit of score that comes in about two-thirds of the way in. The uh, Was it on the Chatty Cathy, uh, I Like Me? No, no, no. no. Well, no, that's, that's great, too. First hear it. Is the, the jaunty fun one toward the end, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
talk about buffering and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember taking apart my Amiga, my Commodore 64. And yeah, I mean, we we had more rudimentary versions of the same stuff. Yeah. We had our screens. They were just shitty. They <laughs> 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 were bit. You know? Totally. <laughs> I mean, we had – I mean, I had all those – all the handheld games you could have, the football game and the yep. Merlin and yep. – that had little handheld Space Invaders and a handheld Pac-Man, and we just had 25 of them instead of everything being on one device, you know? <laughs> By HDMI, yeah. Well, that's when I when I hear people complaining about and, – and screen time is out of hand now for sure for all of us. But I always like to remind them like, you know, we had the same stuff. It was just – I was glued to my – crappy television. Sure. Like 24-7. Yeah. I watch as much TV as I could get my hands oh, on. Oh, yeah. I'm watching different strokes and what's happening. and Everything. Yeah, that's my babysitter. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so early on in the movie, um, we get Dell's trunk on the ground mm-hmm. that he trips that's on. That's his introduction, right? Because that's yeah. how he loses the foot race with Kevin Bacon. That's right. Except tripping over this trunk. Yeah. Turns, and... looks, <laughs> Dell Griffith. And little do we know that that trunk is, it becomes almost a character in this oh, movie. It's the third character in the No Doubt. Yeah, it's the three of them yeah. <laughs> that are on this journey together. Because <laughs> they can't go anywhere without it. No. And yeah. And there are a lot a of moments point. with the trunk. They keep referencing it. Um, whether he recognizes it again is like you're the guy. Or the the great scene after the train breaks down where he's struggling across the field and yep. Steve Martin goes over and helps him carry it. Give like that look back and oh, he keeps man. dragging. It's so good. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and such great character arcs too. Um, maybe the obvious character arcs. Like I don't think he was like breaking dramatic ground uh, in the story, but it was just so well executed, you know? For the you're talking about performances or John Hughes? Well, well the the or two all three. the two characters uh, for Neil and Dell, like great they're both characters. so good at drama too, and that's some of the best comedic performances and comedic actors. A lot of times comes from the trauma and the tragedy and the yeah. sadness. Some of the funniest stuff that we're laughing at is is uh, uh, Ty Burrell, like for lack of a current uh, analogy. Uh, Phil Dunphy on Modern Family. Right. His world is falling apart. Mm-hmm. It's tragic, but we're laughing our asses off because how funny it is. Yeah. Uh, Robin Williams was master of course. at it, right? Yeah. Jim Carrey is great at it. Yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler is phenomenal at it. Um, for people had to take or leave Adam Sandler, I sure. think he's a fantastic actor. Uh, he's great. Hey, right? And he's comedic and dramatic. Uh-huh. And when you do both, it's uh, and John Candy. God. Boy, he was one of the right? best. Yeah. God, what could we have gotten from him after like Canadian Bacon? I, I think that might have been his last film. But Yeah. I mean, I miss him so much. Right? He was so great. And he's so good in this. And Dell mm-hmm. is such a lovable character uh, because he knows and he even says in that in that great scene after uh, Neil attacks him in the hotel room and is so mean. You know, they're going at each other. But then he crosses that line mm-hmm. and he's just he's about to cry. And he's he's like I know I know who I am, and I like me. Mm-hmm. My wife likes me. Yeah. I'm like, God. Then the retrospect, just you know, revisiting the oh, film, geez. seeing it's like knowing yeah. what we know now. Right. Seeing it again. Well, there's so many little. He hints. always he always has that framed yeah. picture of Marie too. It's always next to the bed. Every, I think every yeah. time he's in the hotel, he's got that little framed picture of her. Well, and those are some of the little hints laid along the way um, about Marie. And of course, you know that's sort of the big reveal at the end that Marie has passed away, which is just tragic. It's funny you mentioned the trunk, too, because after the LaSalle, Van Buren, the Chicago station, they part ways. Mm-hmm. The, the music is playing. Oh, yeah. oh, 
The Dream Academy, Power to Believe, oh. and Book of Love. Dream Academy. Those are the two one. tracks sure. that, that we revisit. So he's piecing together. Wait a minute. Dell is probably on his own. Dell, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing here? Right. Uh, uh, and he gives the, the the admission, the confession, right. the little train station. Boom. Cut to them carrying the trunk. My God. Right. Like, I'm just thinking about it. Oh, like, man. Literally. I was crying. I was so watching this, t- this And the music afternoon. hits right there, and they're carrying the trunk up yeah. towards Steve's house. It's one of the great Just moments. in time for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that smash cut to them carrying that goddamn trunk. Yep. Down the middle of his yep. street, his own street. <laughs> it's just like it's one it's of the great so moments good. in movies. It's so good. You know, it really is. I don't think that's like hyperbole at all. No. Um, and it sort of occurred to me watching it this time through this sort of more studied lens that everything that – like it's Neil's fault that he's in this because at the very beginning, he could have let it go. He recognizes him as the cab stealer. And he could have the funniest he, moments he in the airport. Just ignored it. <laughs> because they have this uh, this fun trick where they do they bring in a taxi door yeah, yeah. in the airport. Uh-huh. So you, we see Neil's POV and he turns <laughs> behind the door inside the airport, the uh, taxi right. door, and he's got the little cab and he reenacts. I don't the even look. think I noticed that. That was it's it's, it's brilliant. That's really funny. It's brilliant. They just bring in this prop, a taxi That's door, so and it's sticking in front of as many John Candy in the this. airport. <laughs> and he has a little hat on and he recreates the face. Uh, well, he could have let it go, though, and nothing, totally. none of this would have happened. But he had to say, like, you stole my cab. And that's what kicks off this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. If he could have just let it go, he wouldn't have been in that pickle. <laughs> he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. He would have ended up sitting by him on the airplane again, but probably wouldn't have reconnected. Although, well, Del probably would have looped him into conversation anyway. Say, yeah, <laughs> it's clear that Dell would have, like, made him speak totally. to him at some point. That might be one of my – there are two favorite moments of mine in the film. And just after repeated, I don't even know how many times I've seen it. Yeah. hundred. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe probably more. Uh-huh. One is when he's on the plane. They're yeah. finally leaving New York for uh-huh. Chicago. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Dell's sitting in the seat and he, he looks up and sees Neil coming towards him. Mm-hmm. He says whatever he says. like um, The recognition. Yeah. And just the look on the, Steve's face. There's when so he much sees he's about to sit next to Dell. movie, yeah. Incredible, priceless, priceless moment. The other is when are they in Stubville? No, the, the no. It's after the car is t- the the debacle, the fire. And they're in. The, they finally get the little the two singles uh-huh. in the room. Oh yeah, the little uh, and they're balls. having their little slumber party. Uh-huh. With Doritos <laughs> everywhere, and they're the, 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 where do we go? Tequila, right? You know, um, and John has to go to the bathroom, uh-huh. and they're cutting up. They're just laughing, and he goes into the bathroom. You still, still hear him laughing. And he opens the door back up. And he goes, <laughs> and he closes oh, and he it back. The door again? There's yeah. that moment of him just, we're on the same page. I'm laughing. We're having such a good time. Yeah. And here, here's me opening the door just to show you my face and see how hard I'm laughing. Right. And, and there's no line there. And nothing. It doesn't so say a good. word. It's just so <laughs> real and so special. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, man. There's so many moments like that. So yeah. many little, I mean, this movie is all about the little touches. There are so many great broad slapstick moments that are just so silly and dumb and fun. But little touches like that and, like, the wolf in the cab, like, there was yes. no reason to make that just not a cab ride. Right. But John Hughes is like, I oh, don't know, man. Let's bring in another great character actor. I don't know the guy's name. Larry Hankin. Yeah, Larry Hankin. Yep. Doobie. So, yeah, let's bring him Doobie's in. Doobie's Taxiola. <laughs> Chariot of Sin. It's written on the cab. The lights. The, I mean, the there was no reason to do that other no. than to bring in someone you recognize and make it a little bit more fun. Uh-huh. Just a little bit greater. Then it the braid went into the braid went in. <laughs> yeah, the braid went He's in. He's proud of his town. It's a damn rare, <laughs> damn rare thing these days. 
Uh, and when they go into the Braidwood, I don't know if you noticed this, but this, oh my God, cracked up about this. Uh, I don't know, past few months or something, just upon revisiting the nasty, nasty Braidwood end, the first, uh-huh. you know, where he gets athlete's foot in the yeah, bathroom. Yeah. Literally, uh-huh. he got athlete's foot in the oh, shooting really? that scene. Yeah. <laughs> the water and the just trashed. Uh-huh. That little bed that they're sharing, there's a painting above the bed. Uh-huh. And there's, a, I believe there's a headboard on the bed itself, but... <laughs> Here's the painting. Uh-huh. There are handprints. Oh no way! <laughs> On either side of the painting, I've there are dark handprints that. just from whatever sex. nefarious thing <laughs> happened in that bed. It's so funny because the, the place is nasty as hell. Yeah, and just that little touch is yeah. just wonderful. <laughs> uh, another uh, on that same uh, plane, that very first plane scene when he he's squished between them. And he, in the dark, and he leans over, and John Candy just opens his eyes and says, Six bucks and ride n- my right nut says we aren't landing in Chicago. <laughs> I'm saying you are stuck in Wichita. <laughs> yes. So many great lines. Yeah, Wichita is the next thing uh, that happens. And but the shoes and the sock. And the... Oh, my God. Yeah. Can I mean, you imagine? Steve Martin does such a good job as, I mean, it's priceless. As, as I a guess, straight guy. Yeah, as a straight just, guy. So, so good. Uh huh. <laughs> You're on that journey with him for sure. Uh, and then he's really sort of, uh, Dell is. Kind of like this, this sage, he really, if you pay attention, is offering really wonderful advice throughout the movie. Yep. Uh, whether it's like like your work, love your wife, uh, or just being comfortable with who you are. Mm-hmm. Like there's a great message that he's he's getting through all this comedy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's Very really real. pretty great. Yes. We'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks. <laughs> butt cheeks. <laughs> uh, ben Stein has yep. one great little line. And the greatest thing about that is he announces the uh, flight cancellation. And then maybe the only time I've ever seen Ben Stein smile, <laughs> he does that little smile. <laughs> it's like it brought him great pleasure to announce this flight cancellation. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's really great. Um so Dell has a hookup like everywhere he goes because of his job as a shower curtain ring salesman. American Light Fixtures. Which is shower curtain h- ring division. hysterical. Yep. I wonder how many things John Hughes went through to come up with that job. Like what would <laughs> Dell do for a living? Seriously. You know? It's so good. Because there's no so such specific. thing as a shower curtain right. ring salesman. Shower curtain ring division. <laughs> it doesn't exist, uh, right? <laughs> That's not a thing. It's just your Walter Cronkite moon Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Autograph Daryl Strawberry. Yeah, that it's certainly dates it, doesn't it? <laughs> Daryl <laughs> Strawberry line. <laughs> but um, the the uh, the sort of the classic scene when they finally get to that hotel and they go in, and I love a good camera gag. I'm always a sucker for when the camera plays a joke. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it now. Yep, totally. The camera that pans pan across so and, smart. S- and stop or goes past the bed uh-huh. and then back to that single and, bed and then over to Candy's face. And- yep. <laughs> It's so great. It is. And the then, timing you know, is perfect on yeah. Yeah. And, and and I know there's a two and three hour version, but this this ninety minute version just cooks. It does. And it's the right length, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Anything more I'm with, in for the ride yeah. always. I'm never like, ah, when's this scene over? So I can no, it has such an inertia or, and energy it does. to it. It's like and maybe it's because it's a travel movie, but it's just always moving, mm-hmm. it feels like. Yep. Completely. Um but they get that hotel room scene and <laughs> You know, it's gone down in movie history. Those aren't pillows. It's, you know, it's got to be on the list. <laughs> well, Sweet little kiss on the ear. That's, oh I'm glad God. you did that because that's everyone goes to those aren't pillows uh-huh. as the moment in that scene. 
the funniest part of the scene <laughs> are those two little nibbles that he takes on his ear. It's so good. I think it was, they must have done, I don't even know how many takes, but th- apparently there's a cracking up every take. Oh, so so they'd be panning not? over above them and, and Steve Martin would say the camera guy. <laughs> they started shaking and laughing before they even oh. got to their moment and they would just bust up. Yeah. Can you imagine? Those two little sweet kisses. Because and so Steve Martin sweet. accepts them. He's, they're not, <laughs> he they're, does. He they're kind snuggling of snuggling up. into it. <laughs> It's wonderful. And what does he say there? Um, what was the line that he first says? Why Why did you just kiss me on the ear or whatever? Uh, yeah, why are you holding my hand? And the, the back and forth they do there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why Why are your well, – my hands are between two pillows, of course. <laughs> and that's a line everyone realization is so fun. Just yeah. watch his face drop. <laughs> well, and before that even, when they, when they go to the room, he says uh, – you want to take a shower? He goes, no, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he goes, oh, well, you thought, oh, I, of course you... not. <laughs> and he's just layering on the the bits and the jokes. Like mm-hmm. the the next day when he goes in and it's the socks are in the sink. And you're like, and you think that's it. And then he washes his face with or dries, dries off with his underwear. That is one of the funniest moments, for yeah, for, for sure. Uh, it, just him getting out of the shower and realizing the disarray. You know, yeah, that little single. Nightmare he's in. The, the washcloth. <laughs> <laughs> on that empty rack, like it's all perfect. It is. It's almost unfair how many jokes he's throwing at you. Yep. You know, it's overload. And it's yeah. <laughs> it's like thank you. God, I wish you were still around making more. Apparently, Steve Martin took this movie based on the eighteen fucks scene and the uh, the seat adjustment scene in the okay. car. When yeah, you mess around with it till you broke it. <laughs> the sound effects, <laughs> you know, that's part of the humor. There's so many layers of mm-hmm. comedy. Like just that motorized sound of that yep. seat was so funny. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, I forgot the other line. I love too much uh, when he uh, when they're in bed together finally. And he goes, you know, I had no idea those beer cans were going to blow like that. <laughs> so you left them on a vibrating bed. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> and that's funny because it's funnier not seeing that. They they yeah. may have shot that. Who knows? They may have. But, yeah, we do see Candy on the bed having a cigarette and then enjoying the yeah. the vibration while while Steve's taking a shower. But it's funnier just to reference it. Yeah. I think. We don't even see the – I don't think we see beers no. on the bed. But I don't yeah. think so. I'll get to sleep in a puddle of beer. I just want to go to bed. I met, uh, if there is a two and a three hour version, he probably did shoot all that stuff. But that's yeah, like I think, and and you, you're an editor as well, like mm-hmm. so you understand fully. Like sometimes stuff is funnier with less. Not seeing it, yeah. That's why Hitchcock was so uh, effective too. A lot of things that he implied right. that we don't see. That's right. Uh, that just terrorized you, just letting your imagine, imagination wander. Yeah. Right. We don't need a bucket of blood tossed on us to know that something scary. Right. Or, Whatever. But yeah, absolutely. Um, and back to Hughes and his proficiency and, and masterful technique, the way he uses timing and music mm-hmm. is unmatched. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Those needle drops, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's always maximum effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so special. Yeah. God, he was good. Well, yeah, I know. Um, he's, uh, he's reading by lighter light. Yeah. And he's cracking his knuckles in his neck. And he's scratching his balls, and he's uh, he's uh, clearing his sinuses. sinuses. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful odd couple uh-huh. moment. I don't know if you're familiar with the Walter Matthau and oh, Jack sure. Lemmon. Old, old. Yeah, the original. I odd think couple. it's tossed back. I throw back to that. But the the, the sinus clearing, especially. 
God. And just watching Steve be patient because we're we're on him, right? And then Candy's behind him doing all these things. Yeah. God. Yeah. I, I lost mean, my mind too. It's, Honestly, it's, I, I literally <laughs> I would have lost my mind. And God, I would lose your patience. Yeah. That's what that kicks off the whole the chatty Cathy and crossing uh-huh. the line moment that we talked about. Well, they put them in just close, such close pro- physical proximity. Um, when you start kind of studying the just the blocking. They're always jammed up against each other. Yep. And sometimes it's by nature the fact that it's bus seats or plane seats. But even like in the diner and everywhere they go, they're they're practically touching each other. And that gives the real sense of this claustrophobia that Neil is feeling Seriously. this whole time. Back of that truck. Yeah. They're always sitting on each other. What do you like. think it is? One. Yeah. <laughs> I still, dog, then just a nip. I still nip. say that too when, uh, <laughs> when too. it's super cold I and do. people are like, geez, what do you think it is? I always go, one. One. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great line. There's so many great dumb jokes. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of mm-hmm. dumb jokes. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, they get robbed overnight, which is very silly. It I is. I don't it even, is silly. I don't think that happens, right. but it was like John Hughes like, well, it's I got to do something And at the same here. time, I think it was the same year. His name is Gary Riley. He played uh, Dave. Remember Dave and Chainsaw from uh, uh, Summer School? Oh, sure. I'm Dave. I'm, bu- I'm Chainsaw. Is that who that was? The, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Another little uh, cameo. Yeah, yeah. All right. I thought God, I love familiar. Summer School. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan, but I, I uh, you love know, that's one that I saw back unapologetically. Then. Really, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Even go back and revisiting is is a wonderful, fun as hell uh-huh. film. Yeah, I got to go check that out again. Yeah. That's one of those I saw back in the day, but I don't think I like kept up with it. They're the diehards for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They keep one of the screenings of Texas Chainsaw. That's right. Yeah, that was Dave, the, the longer <laughs> blonde hair. <laughs> Uh, another one of my favorite lines is right after that scene when he goes, uh, and if they told you wolverines would make good house pets, would you believe them? <laughs> There's such a wonderful throwback quality to a lot of Hughes's comedy writing. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it feels like, you know, Bob Hope or, you know, these sort of classic old super clean comedy bits. Yeah, almost like one-liners. Yeah. Zingers. I love how he tailored the write- he'd write a script, but then he would go back and tailor for whoever was playing them. Oh, really? So, yeah, he did that specifically with, with both of them. Yeah. That's why everything just feels so seamless. Like something they would absolutely, obviously say in whatever scenario that they were in. Yeah. It felt so real. Right. Uh, and he was such a collaborator. He didn't care where a great idea came from. Right. It's just so That's awesome. special. And, yeah, and rare. And, and how so, it should be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is the most collaborative art form, filmmaking on Earth. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, sure. I mean, what else? I mean, I guess if you want to talk about like orchestras and stuff like that, but where yeah, else but even do you so, find, How many like, people are going to be making? And uh, well, it just depends on the budget and obviously the right. size of the project. Yeah. Actually, but but you know how it is on a set. You've got thirty to a hundred people, all with their own job. Yep. To make it all happen. Yep. And he welcomed ideas from wardrobe department, welcomed mm-hmm. them from transpo. It doesn't matter if it's a good idea. He'd love to use it. Yeah. He didn't claim credit or anything. That's he great. Make a, he, wanted, he, was, he was concerned about the final project. You know, yeah, and I product, think I you, uh, you, if you check your ego at the door, great things can happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it sounds like that was the case uh, with John Hughes for sure. Um, they uh, – they, uh, all right, so they're, they're, they've done the plane. They have done the bus. The bus ride is great. It's fantastic. I don't Flintstones. know if you've ever taken a bus trip Three before. coins in the fountain. That's another <laughs> wonderful, awkward scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no? Have you ever traveled by bus? I have. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's long the, bus rides. I have too, man. It's the worst. <laughs> it's I did the one worst. from Arizona to Atlanta, and it was just like, 
It's one of those things where uh, – That's a long that's – a, that's a haul. It, it's a haul because you know how long – it takes forever because you got to stop so much. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, no one's bathing on that bus for four days. Got that one tight little bathroom in the back. Yeah, it's bad. And um, I'm glad they put the bus in – the bus trip in here because there's something very specific about a, a long-haul bus ride. Yeah. It's just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even has that great line, you ever traveled by bus before? Your mood probably isn't going to improve much. <laughs> <laughs> and of course he has it. And that's part of the fun of this movie is this fish out of water thing with yep. this kind of upper middle class guy. Or, I mean, I don't know if he's rich. It's kind of hard to tell. I wonder if it's the same house from Home Alone. It looks exactly like the house from Home Alone. It does. Chicago, sub, sh- Chicago and suburb. Uh, I also read that they built this house, but surely they didn't build the exterior. Because it said that they built this like house from set. scratch. Wow. And I was like, well... It was in a neighborhood. I doubt if they meant the – they must have just meant the interior or something. Maybe. But uh, I don't know. That wouldn't have made much sense. Apparently, he spent like a hundred grand in the studio. was all pissed off at him because uh-huh. they were like, why <laughs> did you do that? I don't know. But you're right. The first time we see him, he's in this uh, – <clears throat> it's funny. The office, looking over the, the, the boards, right, the marketing boards. Yeah. There are two fireplaces in this office, uh, this, this old rich white that. man's office, yeah. right? So, I mean, it definitely makes money. Yeah. <laughs> and it's absolutely funny throwing him on a bus and throwing him throwing him into the Braidwood Inn, putting him in that burned out car. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, the radio still works. <laughs> I always wonder about movie props and where they end up, um, partially because we uh, – Smoking the Bandit was shot, you know, here in Atlanta when I was a kid. It was uh, – my elementary school was in one of the scenes and my, my dad's car was in one of the scenes because he was the principal of my elementary school. And my dad ended up with the uh, Jackie Gleason's car door, the sheriff's car door that gets knocked no off. shit. We that had that in my garage awesome. <laughs> for years until it was one of those things where it was just, you know, I'm sure he just threw it away. Julia. But you, you wonder what happens to this stuff. And I found myself today thinking, what the f- where the fuck did that car end up? That great burned out car that they, that right. they made just look so perfect for this. Like where did that go? I'm, I'm sure it's in a in a junkyard somewhere. Hopefully, I was gonna say hopefully in a museum somewhere, but no. But that's where it known. belongs. That's know. my point. You know. Yeah. It's like it should be in a museum. It is. It's because uh, again, like the trunk. That's a character. In this film. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> and there are Hollywood car museums that have like the Batmobile and the yeah. Dukes of Hazard car, but like, why is it that car in the museum? <laughs> you know. You honestly think this is safe for the road? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. He's so earnest in that scene. <laughs> and, <laughs> None of your instruments work. Not a one. <laughs> he goes, 78, he was like, oh, I could believe that. But <laughs> you would know better than we do because, uh, you know, like I said, speedometers melted. <laughs> Ripping their fingers out of the dash. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, in the highway scene, I, I think that whole sequence starting with uh, the car rental, mm-hmm. which the car was modeled after the vacation family truckster. Got to be. Uh, clearly wooden paneled metallic yeah. beat. Um I think that Watching whole car freeways, scene. Clark. She wrote. John Hughes wrote. She well, wrote exactly. vacation. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I mean, yeah. he worked for National Lampoon for years. Yeah, I mean, his record is impeccable as Seriously. a writer. And then started writing jokes for Rodney Dangerfield and uh, yeah. and uh, Joan, Joan Rivers. Oh, wow. That's ridiculous. I know. And then come out of the gate with writing vacation. And, yeah, right off the bat. Crazy. 
but that whole car sequence, I think, is my favorite. Yeah. Starting when they get to the car. I love the planes and the trains and the bus and all that. But starting when they get that car is when things really, really heat up for me. Because mm-hmm. um, they have that great sequence on the highway at night with the uh, John Candy trying to get out of his coat, which is just some of the best, like, physical comedy acting. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking, toss the butt. You forget about the butt uh-huh. until they're sitting on that fucking trunk. Yeah. They sit on the trunk, right? After right. the cheat, they cheated death. Uh-huh. The great devil turn and see and, and, and the scraping of the Oh, we can laugh about it now because we're all right. It's <laughs> <laughs> like eight seconds later. <laughs> that was a way of the past. Yeah. Thank God we got through that. But yeah, they sit on the trunk and uh, and yeah, you hear this <laughs> a great sound effect, <laughs> and you see it on their backs, right? The the reflection of the fire. Yeah, God, so good. Uh, but so the the, good. the taking off of the coat scene is some of the best. Like it's so easy to take that for granted, uh, but it's such a great acting, like comedy acting bit, is him trying to get out of that coat, and then the panic that sets in when both of his arms, like you see it on his face. It's horrifying. And he's driving with his legs. You're right. And he starts talking okay. to himself. Like, You're right. All right. Get some confidence like, back. I can, I'll be all right. I just need to. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's so great. You know, he's starting to sweat. And it's just really easy to overlook like what a great bit of comic acting that, that part is. <laughs> Seriously. Just the great Oh, he's almost had a deer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should take your park off. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Which, again, is a very sort of corny, old school, like, tag joke at the end. Mm-hmm. I love how he embraced that, you know. It's, uh, it is very much an old sort of throwback movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, totally. A road movie. Yep. Uh, odd couple movie. It's sort of the, one of the classic comic duos is, you know, these the obnoxious sort of uh, barbarian and the and the well-to-do, you know, Straight it goes lace. all the way back to like the British stage. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's based on stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, P- putting these the, the the odd couple together, right? The straight man. I mean, you can't wouldn't be nearly as funny without the straight uh, Steve Martin. Yeah, you know, which is kind of an undersung role. Uh, period is to to do the straight man mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. It's not as fun. Considering probably. what he was doing, I mean, up into his career up until then. I mean, yeah. Cocaine fused arrow yeah. through the head, you know, crazy, sure, loud and crazy guy, you know, oh, yeah. kind of a shtick. Um, but he's so good at the at the dramatic stuff too. Yeah, I think he really sort of in this period with this and like Roxanne, mm-hmm. he really started to kind of evolve as an actor. Did you ever see Leap of Faith? Yeah, great movie. Uh-huh. And he plays the 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 shyster, the yeah. the tentpole preacher uh-huh. going around. He's great in that role. Yeah, Steve Martin's just one of the greats. I think uh, I, don't, I don't think he's undersung or anything because he's certainly gotten a lot of accolades. But he's seventy four years old now, and like wow. his his wow. career is like I just feel old. I old know, me too, man. Old as dirt. <laughs> well, it's hard to tell with him because he went gray in his twenties. You're right. Like every, when I was a little kid and he was doing wild and crazy guy, he had that mop of gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always been kind of hard to tell, but. Uh, a Spanish prisoner. I mean, he's just he's such a quality actor. Did you ever see Shop Girl? He wrote this too. It was based on a yeah. Short. Shop yeah, Girl was uh, amazing. Claire Danes. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Great. Yeah. yeah. My brother met him once, and I saw him on a back lot once riding a, a bike, just across a back lot, and he just smiled, and nodded at everyone that passed, and he apparently still does this, but he has a card he gives you rather than a photo or an autograph. He carries around these cards that says, "I certify that I had a personal moment with Steve Martin." <laughs> And I found him to be charming, funny, and blah, 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 blah. And it has this little it. signature on there. Yeah. 
And a great idea. Yeah, it is. If you're always getting stopped, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a joke. You know, you give someone a card and then they have a story. Yeah. And something, something tangible to, to yeah, take with walk them. away with. I'd love that. It's great. Just seems like such a good dude. Tillman Bay. Tillman Bay. Bay is weak. We need to rebuild. You have no choice. It has to be done. The epic fiction podcast, Tumen Bay, returns. Have we met before? Oh, yes, General. From creators John Scott Dryden and Mike Walker. I need soldiers, and I need them now. Maya is defeated. Don't you see? It's not a gift. It's a curse. We are the fist of God. That fist is now raised in its glove of iron to punish the city of unbelievers. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, in the name of God, what have you done? So Neil breaks up with him a few times in this movie. The uh, time when he finally breaks up with them in the diner is, I think, one of the most heartbreaking. It is because he's – yeah, he pulls no punches. Because they had already bonded out. though. I think that's what makes it so tough yep. is John Candy thinks they're a team yep. at this point. Mm-hmm. And he reminds him that they're not. Yep. Uh, he uh, Shortly after the sh- – because he makes a nice wad of cash, tries to pay him back. Right. Yeah. That scene it's, is it's sad. heartbreaking. It is. But, well, yeah, with the exchange of money, it's just like, I'm just going to leave it on the table. I'll and just leave it. Leave it. He's just so like, he's. you can tell he's just about to bust out crying at any moment. Yep. And the way he walks. Trying to save face and leave before he yeah, right, breaks exactly. Down. Yeah. Such a tough moment. It is. But, of course, fate will keep them together. Yes, <laughs> yes it will. <laughs> fate in the trunk. Uh-huh. In um, the trunk. Then we get to finally that, that car rental scene. Um, and, you know, it's. It's got – I know that that uh, some of these publications keep track of like best movie lines and best movie moments and things like that. This has got to be a, a top 20 all-time great comedy scene. It better be It better be if it's not. You know? I'll raise hell. It's like people that have seen this movie once remember this scene. Yeah. Above all else. Yeah. It's so good. The great uh, – what's her name? Edie McClurg? Uh, Edie McClurg. McClurg. Yeah. God, she's so great. <laughs> well, and she has that wonderful line because that's a you know he still he's obviously the has that the great run of f bombs, mm-hmm. but she's got to hold her own on her end, and she has that great line where she goes, "I really don't care the way you're speaking to me." Mm-hmm. <laughs> the old smile because she's still got to keep up that customer service thing. Yes, you know yep. until the end, <laughs> and she she gets to steal I the show threw it away. <laughs> You're oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh dear. Oh, dear. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, then that gets us to one of my other favorite scenes, which is the taxi scene um, after he tries to rebook a flight in Chicago. And that great taxi dispatcher. <laughs> Standing like a slab of meat with mittens. He goes, guy. yeah. He goes, <laughs> oh, he goes, Chicago, you know you're in St. Louis. <laughs> if I wanted a joke, I'd follow you into the john and watch you take a leap. <laughs> <laughs> I've never oh, seen man. a man picked up by his testicles before. Yeah, and, the, and then the face that Steve Martin makes when he gets punched in the face, that little like... <laughs> the flutter. Yeah. The eye flutter. Again, it, it goes, it's like Charlie Chaplin stuff right totally. there. Totally. You know? Yeah. It's like such a throwback. Yep. 
God, okay. <laughs> I'm going to watch this movie another hundred times. I'm going to watch it tonight. Over the years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So um, good. Tis the season, too. Yeah. I, I, turkey I mean, frying and putting planes trains on a loop. That's right. <laughs> gonna, uh, well, I did buy it, so I'm going to make this a definite tradition. I don't watch it every year, but it's. Uh, I will. I'm going to start. I think. Um, I do that with holiday holiday films, yeah. especially around Christmas. Uh, you know, like Emmett Otter, I'll put that on a loop. You're speaking uh, and my Halloween. Language, man. I'll. It's great. Ain't no <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> have you, you have you seen it at the puppetry art center? The, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's hard to amazing. like walk by there and not like. I did a play uh, in 2001. This was January 2001, called Light Up the Sky at the Alliance Theater. Uh-huh. And uh, I did a one of the other actors from New York. Her name is Marilyn Sokol, uh-huh. S-O-K-O-L. I don't know if she's still around. I hope she is. Um, she voiced Ma Otter. So I lost my mind wow. when I learned this news because she would have stories about Jim Henson and how he – just courted her and was like in love with her. I mean, who knows how much she's right. embellishing. Right. Um, but just I grew up, my dad turned me on to Paul Williams as a as a uh-huh. child. So and then and then Emma and Otter, very big part of my childhood growing up. Absolutely, man. As of probably yeah. any of us around that age. Yep. You know, he would come on HBO, uh-huh. I remember. Yeah. Um, now they have the supplemental fun stuff like Kermit is now in there. Oh, really? I don't think I don't know if you've seen the the Blu-ray or the DVD or the updated version. No, but, I haven't. Um, it's different than what we saw growing up, but uh-huh. the music is indelible. Yeah, know? Riverbottom Nightmare, right? <laughs> Riverbottom Nightmare <laughs> Band. They actually scared me when I was a kid. It's horrifying. <laughs> as a child, <laughs> I tried to show that to my daughter last year, and she uh, she didn't get into it. My heart was a little broken, but. I, I think it was just a little too soon. Sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try again this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe kids like the animated stuff more, or do they like the no, practical she, effects? She would she would dig it. Yeah. I think uh, I think at that age you're you're still game for whatever. You know what you should show her? The Mandalorian. Yeah. Have you watched that yet? I have. What do you think? Oh, I love it so far. Right. Yeah. It feels like a wonderful throwback to a New Hope. Yeah. Like the tone. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like what I remembered as a child. Yep. And it feels like this new, fresh No, I really like the direction it's headed. I do too. A lot. I'm digging it. And I like the 30-minute format. I've, I've seen other people saying they wish it was an hour, but I think that 30 minute is just like just the right. Nice little, nice little sweet spot. Yeah. 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 And, and we're so used to binging things. I kind of appreciate the fact that they're doling it Seriously. out a little by little. Yeah. Because now nice I can't not wait. having everything immediate and accessible now. I know. I like the anticipation. It's a bit Use of a your lesson. imagination. Let the uh-huh. wheel spin. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that little, geez, I know that everyone's calling Baby Yoda, even though it's not Yoda. But <laughs> what a what a genius thing for right? John Favreau to think of, to do, you know. He's brilliant. Yeah, he's really he's really putting together quite a career for himself. The, the, the dude from Swingers, who knew? Seriously. Uh, so the car gets impounded. Uh, Dell comes through with the truck there at the end, the uh, the cheese truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they have to ride in the back, but he gets them home. Ashnagan. Yeah, Ashnagan right? cheese. <laughs> Which, oh my know. gosh, it's Ashnagan. Yeah. I think it's what it says on the side of the yeah. truck. <laughs> Which sounds so Midwestern, right? of course. Uh, but that great scene at the train station that you you talked about earlier is, I mean, that's where it all comes together. And um, just that look on Neil's face when it just washes over him and that the character arc coming full circle for him. Like he could have just gone home, but he wouldn't have been able to live with himself. Right. You Puts know? all these pieces together. Yep. Everything he's been through. Yes. He could easily just say, oh, God, screw Dell. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm done. Well, then, he shows that sign of relief when he gets on the train at first even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, thank God that's over. Yeah. Yep. Done. I know. Go home. Give me back to my wife and my kids. Yeah. The one thing that he wants to do. Smash cut to them. Hold something like a drunk. The drunk. This is a drunk. <laughs> Where's that prop? <laughs> right? Like, that should be in a museum. American Light Fixtures. You know? Yep. If I'll that ended up in It's got to be. It's got to be. I'm going to track it down. I'm going well, to buy it. <laughs> or it's, I'll go in with you. Or if it's, uh, it's, it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's just sitting right. in some prop warehouse in Los Angeles somewhere. That's so funny. You know how those things end up. Yeah. It's probably rented and returned. <laughs> That's the sad fact. <laughs> that was the trunk from whatever, you know, some other dumb movie. <laughs> they just slap some stickers on it and some yep. Del Griffith stencil. <laughs> uh, but the very end is such a great payoff because they uh, – there's a lot of ways he could have handled that final scene where they go to the house. They could have shown the hand very heavily, no doubt. Yeah, they could have shown him having dinner. They could have carried that out a little more. They may have shot that stuff. But just – I think Hughes having the uh, restraint to know that there was so much more power in that introduction and how they did it. Uh, this is my friend. Like, that said it all. Yeah. This is First my time friend. he uses that phrase. Very first time. Dell refers to Neil as his friend, uh-huh. to Gus, I think, when he's trying to get in the hotel. My old friend, Neil. Yeah. Trying, told him I was going to get in the hotel room. He says that about but a lot Neil of never says that. No. And he says, this is my friend. And it's so, like... It's such a gut punch yep. in all the right ways. And uh, when his wife, uh, I don't know who that actor is. She does such a good job in this movie, though, as sort of this, like, behind-the-scenes heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When she says, hello, Mr. Griffith, hello, Miss Page, Mrs. Page. It's just, it's perfect. So Yeah. There's no Respectful. better way to end it. What, yeah. And, and she, you get the sense that she knows. Like, there may have been six other phone calls that we don't know about. Right. Where she learns all this stuff. Seriously. What do you think Neil's saying? I don't this know. fucking guy. I'm People sure. People believe this bullshit I'm dealing with. Yeah. And I'm strapped I'm glued to this to guy. This guy. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's trying to kill me three times. Yeah. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. But her warmth is so welcoming. Yeah. And it's so special. Yeah. And then we fr- Boy, does he need it. Then we it. freeze on his smile. The yeah. warm smile. Uh, I know. It's just like now you see that and all I can think of is like. John Candy in memoriam. I was about to say that. But literally, that's what it, yeah, you think is about to pop on the screen. Yeah. But this has been Final Cut since it, since 87. Uh huh. Right? Years before Candy died. Candy died, do you know? Do you remember? I don't know. Was actually. the 90, mid 90s, maybe? Uh, I feel like I was in high school. It might have been like 94. Yeah. I think I was a senior. 93, 94, I think. Boy, one but of yeah. the greats. One of the greats. He's a big dude. He's 6'2. Yeah. Carrying that much weight around is 6'2". That's, yeah. that's a lot of dude. He was a large man. Yeah. But um, just a giant. And by all accounts, just a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah. Like every story I've ever heard is just, you know, that John Candy was just as great as you would hope him to be. Mm-hmm. Like he is everyone's Uncle Buck. Yep. You know. And what a great body of work. Yeah. And cameos that he did, that splash and stripes. Oh, God. Great splash outdoors. was so good. I mean, Yeah. That, everything stripes, he touched. Stripes. against stripes. You know, he played a big asshole in yeah. stripes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of the only time he ever did that, I think. And I stumbled across SCTV growing up. Yeah, I watched it I don't know if you ever watched it. Or uh-huh. I was like, what is that? Who are these Canadian weirdos? Same. What Martin you, Short, What Eugene were we watching Levy. that on? I don't even know where I found it. Was it I like just, WGN or something probably. maybe? Yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. I stumbled across a lot of movies because there's a guy named Danny or Denny who would host WGN. It was based out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday and Sunday afternoons, we'd get home from church, we'd have our – 
Ms. Winters, KFC, yeah. whatever, and I plop in front of the TV yep. and watch Swamp Thing, Poison Ivy, whatever mm. they were showing at the time, yeah. early, mid-80s. But he was a, was a Danny or Denny, and I've actually looked up trying to find this guy, what he was doing. And he was the host of He was the, the host uh, of, the, of uh, these uh, movies. That would, and I'll bet you anything, SCTV was on. Yeah, WGN. I watched a lot of WGN. Yeah. After, was there anything better than getting out of those church clothes? Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's like people that didn't grow up going to church have no Shred idea. Shred in the back of the car. That just, feeling at like 12.15 just to get home and like take off those shoes and socks and like get on your shorts. Yes, totally. <laughs> such such the great thing. <laughs> uh, the little things. Well, you got anything else, man? I mean, I think it's one of the best endings ever. Certainly the best Thanksgiving to, movie. I, I Yeah. I'd vote that number one. I mean, there aren't a ton of Thanksgiving movies, but nothing really, touches Yeah, they're really one. not. Um, Dutch. Yeah. Which I mean, John Hughes wrote. There's a few. That's Thanksgiving, right? That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this movie manages to be sentimental. It just strikes just the right tone, I think. It does. You know, there's got to mm-hmm. be a bit of that, but it's not so over the top. And you need that valve release every once in a while, too, with uh, with, with anything you're watching. If it's cause, uh, uh, dramatic. Yeah, it's a comedy, mm. but there are definitely some heavy dramatic moments. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, It does. It's a perfect blend. Yeah. Wonderful film. Yep. R.I.P. Mr. Hughes and Mr. Candy. Rest in peace. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. It's been great. Thank you for having me. It's awesome. Awesome. I'll crush it anytime with you, please. Thanks, man. I love love movies. Yeah, we'll have to get you back in here. I love you. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope your belly is full of, I guess, on a Friday, it would be cold turkey sandwich with cranberry, maybe a little mayo. But uh, I hope you queued up planes, trains, and automobiles today. It's kind of a tradition in our house to watch this one every year. One of my favorite movies, and we had a great chat about it. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it, because I sure did. So sit back, eat some more turkey, maybe fall asleep on the couch, listening to the sweet, dulcet tones of Neil Page and Del Griffith. Have a great weekend, everybody. Movie Crush is produced, edited, and engineered by Ramsey Yunt here in our home studio at Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia, for iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, I'm Joe Levy, and on the latest episode of Inside the Studio, I sat down with one of the all-time great singer-songwriters, James Taylor. We talked about his new album, Where His Music Comes From, and how telling his life story through his songs has helped him. Music saved my life, but I was lucky also to survive. I did some very stupid, some, some years that were, were just really high risk, unnecessarily so, and a lot of people around us died, you know. So join me, Joe Levy, editor-at-large at Billboard, for this and other in-depth conversations with the biggest artists in music. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. There's nothing you wouldn't do for your child. From watching their soccer game in the pouring rain to soothing a crying baby at 4 a.m. You love your kids. So love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Car seats reduce fatal injury by 54 to 71% for toddlers and infants. 
Car crashes are a leading cause of death for children under 13, but when used correctly, safety restraints can dramatically reduce the risk of fatality or injury. It's critical that every trip, every time children are in the right seat for their age and size, and that children under 13 years of age are always buckled up in the back seat. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to learn more. This message is brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.